It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. This is Christian Questions. After the podcast, check out everything ChristianQuestions.com has to offer. Also see our weekly video series releases at ChristianQuestions.com slash YouTube. Here's your hosts, Rick and Jonathan. B.F. Skinner once said, A failure is not always a mistake. It may simply be the best one can do under the circumstances. The real mistake is to stop trying. I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. Joining me as always is Jonathan, my co-host for more than two decades. This podcast centers on godly principles, family values, and honest dialogue in a politically free zone. So, Jonathan, what is our topic for today's episode? This is part two of our two-part series in our question, How Can I Persevere When Life Gets Tough? And our theme text is found in Luke 21, verse 19 from the Expanded Bible. By continuing to have faith, your endurance or perseverance You will save your lives or gain or win your souls. Okay, so how can I persevere when life gets tough? Part two, joining us for part two as was part one, is Julie. Hello, Julie. Hello, Rick. Hello, Jonathan. I'm looking forward to two more practical uh, examples here of perseverance. And that's what we've got coming up in today's podcast. How well do we persevere? I mean, really, what what kinds of things make us want to give up And then, so how do we deal with them? We'll find it out through some real life experiences in about 10 minutes. What if you have an issue or an illness that will last a lifetime? How do you make that experience one that can be handled and even overcome? Well, we're going to continue with real life experiences and answers in about 20 minutes on that. And how about, how about if you lose your spouse or someone close to you unexpectedly? Does God really expect you to just persevere through that experience? We're going to look at this answer with another real-life experience in about 35 or 40 minutes. But first, let's pick up where we left off last week. If you remember last week, we talked about perseverance as an essential aspect of our Christian lives. We saw that persevering means much more than simply hanging on when things are tough. It means we set our hearts and our minds on moving forward, no matter how small the steps might be. We examined some Isaiah scriptures that gave us a glimpse of what Jesus' own focus, what his game face looked like. We established that we need perseverance in many areas of life and discussed it in the context of our trials and afflictions. We heard the story of Jonathan, a young 14-year-old man, not to be confused with the old guy who's my (laughs) co-host. Thanks. (laughs) Jonathan, the 14-year-old young man who's persevering through a serious case of scoliosis. Today, we expand the scope of our perseverance conversation as we look at the persecutions and tests of loyalty every Christian must endure. We do this both scripturally and through the stories of Lorraine and Fred, two mature Christians whose life experiences pressed them to persevere in ways they never saw coming. So folks, here it is. We all must persevere, but we all don't do it in the same way. This is really, really important. Our unique experiences give us unique opportunities. There are several game faces of perseverance that are supported by Scripture. We're going to go over three of those game faces. We touched on this last week, but we're going to go through the Scriptures this time. So, Julie, take us through those three game faces of perseverance. 
Sure. Well, the first game face is of a soldier and the face of one sworn to duty for a cause he's willing to die for. Second Timothy 2, 3, and 4 starts us off. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Then we've got the game face of an athlete, and our 14-year-old young man, Jonathan, was our example back in part one. The athlete has the face of discipline and focus. It's the face of training to compete and win. It's continuing with 2 Timothy 2, now verse 5. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not to win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. Next, these texts continue with verses 6 and 7, which describe the game face of the farmer. And that's the face of patience, knowledge, hard work, consistency. It's the face of steady discipline and compassion. And verse 6 and 7 read, The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. And Rick and Julie, I think it's important to note that one is not less than the other, the soldier, the athlete, or the farmer. Yeah, you know, and that, that's a big deal because we all look at it, oh, hey, I want to be the athlete, all right? And, you know, I'm be the soldier. And so the farmer's like, yeah, big deal, farmer. Big deal, farmer. Yes, big deal, farmer. We have to understand our experiences are different and the game face that gets us through the perseverance is going to be different. And we will hopefully lay this all out very, very clearly. So we've got a story that we want to tell in the first part of our podcast today. Julie, who's the story about? And just give us a little background before we start. Well, we're going to have us drop in on a conversation I had with my friend Lorraine. She's what I call my third generation friend. Our parents are friends, our grandparents were friends, and we were brought up together. And she has a serious autoimmune disorder called multiple sclerosis that completely upended her life, and yet she perseveres. And I wanted to know, what was it that made her not only keep going, but to do so with joy and peace? Okay, so we're going to drop in periodically through the first couple of segments on Lorraine's story. And as we listen to Lorraine, let's visualize her having the game face of a soldier. Multiple sclerosis. Sclerosis means scar tissue. So what's happening, the myelin sheath that is on your nerves, that protects your nerves, is getting worn away. Scar tissue forms. So it interrupts you know, the electricity that goes from your brain to the nerve. To me, it seems like it's almost like a stroke where somebody has to relearn to do something because something's interrupted. When I was diagnosed in 2005, it was diagnosed as relapsing, remitting multiple sclerosis, which means sometimes you have symptoms and things go crazy. And then other times you feel like you don't have anything. So it's like it goes back and forth. It's always treatable and manageable. They don't have a cure for it, but you learn how to manage it. I was really, really struggling. I was in sort of a denial. I was having all kinds of symptoms of being fatigued, couldn't walk as long. Sometimes I had a hard time getting up the stairs. I kind of knew that something was going on, but I kept saying, no, it's not this. (laughs) The lady I was taking voice lessons from, she's the one who ultimately said, hey, I made an appointment for you with my neurologist and you're going to him. Obviously, the Lord's overruling. How old are you during that? Oh, 36 years old. So in 2005, my friend Lorraine is 36 years old. She's got a career, a husband, a house, two cats, a wonderful life, and a bright future. 
And then this disease starts creeping up to her and everything she depended on is about to change. So this is something where perseverance becomes a necessity because it happens, you didn't expect it, you're trying to follow in a Christ-like way, what are you supposed to do? Game face of a soldier as we're going to unfold Lorraine's story. So let's put the scriptural background here so we can unfold perseverance here. We had suggested last week three kinds of experiences that stimulate the building up of personal perseverance. So Jonathan, what are those three kinds of experiences? Number one, trials and afflictions. These experiences require a personal and practical perseverance. Number two, persecution. These experiences require a principled perseverance. Okay, so we've and, got we've got trials and afflictions, you know, mm-hmm. and Jonathan was a good example of that last week, a 14-year-old with the scoliosis. Persecution is something we're going to focus on now. What's the third one? The testing of our loyalty. These experiences require a passionate perseverance. Okay, trials and afflictions, persecution, and the testing of our loyalty. Different types of experiences all require dramatic perseverance. So let's go back to Lorraine's story. And as we go back, we were asking her, or, or Julie, you were asking her about, okay, you've got a new reality. How, how are you managing? How are you facing that new reality when it hits you? There's a lot of different emotions that, that you kind of go through. The main thing was, oh, okay. I know that doesn't sound very dramatic. But the thing that really annoyed me was that the first thing that these, you know, medical neurologists are sitting there talking about is, well, you know, there's all kinds of good wheelchairs nowadays that can oh, help you with stuff. And no. I'm like, this is not what I want to hear. That just made me really mad. I decided right then and there, I'm not going to give in to it. I'm going to fight it. I'm just not giving in to it. And it was this focused fighting attitude that made us think of the game face of a soldier. Yeah, very much. But, you know, you think about it and, and, and you're diagnosed with this really debilitating thing. And what they say is, well, you know, there's lots of great wheelchairs. And the initial reaction can easily be one of acceptance. Oh, OK, I guess that's my life. But to have that game face of a soldier because you want to fight through, that's hard to do. And especially when you don't know what's going on and it, and it hits you so hard, kind of like blindsiding you almost. So we're going to keep coming back to Lorraine and walk through her story and see how she was able to manage through, through other difficulties as well. And try and understand that soldier-like game face as we look at perseverance. So along with our trials and afflictions, and, and we talked about those with, uh, with Jonathan, the young man, last week, we have this second kind of experience to develop perseverance, and it's persecution. Okay, now persecution is an, is an odd thing because sometimes we misrepresent it. Perse- to be persecuted means to be pursued somehow or other. Okay, that's all it really means. It can have a positive or a negative meaning. This type of experience, though, when we're being pursued in a negative way, requires perseverance, but it requires a very principled perseverance. We'll explain why as we develop it. Jonathan, let's go to Hebrews 12, verses 3 and 4. For consider him, Jesus, who has endured, and this is the word for persevered, such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. Okay, so consider him who has, you said, the word endured means persevered, who persevered through such hostility by sinners. Persecution, by virtue of its mere existence, 
always presents us as imperfect human beings with crossroads. We can go down the road of caving into persecution's pressure, or we can go up the road of the, the, the high road of choosing principled perseverance. And, you know, we aren't making the direct connection that Lorraine was persecuted or abused in any way. For Lorraine, she's more about that principled perseverance part. Um, so what, what I did was I asked her about how her husband reacted to this terrible news of this uh, uh, disease that she had. Ironically enough, he said, I'm glad that we know what's going on. Now we can deal with it. How did we deal with it? <laughs> Ultimately, I was the one dealing with it. it. Seemed hard for him to understand that when I came home from teaching school, the only thing I felt like doing was taking a nap. And he didn't seem to understand that it was getting hard for me to clean the house. I had to call in a housekeeper. He didn't seem to understand that it was easier for me to walk if, if I took his arm to get a support kind of almost pulled away from it. We, we were singing in a choir together and, and it was interesting that a lot of the other people were the ones who offered me their arm and offered to help me with whatever. It's like, why isn't my husband doing this, you know? Mm. So he was, I think, little by little pulling away. You ended up getting divorced, unfortunately, which is horrific. Did the illness play a part of that? Because I, I specifically asked him when he said he couldn't deal with being married anymore. Does this have to do with my MS? And he said, yeah. He said, I, I can't deal with it. Ultimately, it was for the best. And anything that happens to me in my life, since I gave my life to the Lord, anything that happens, I just take it as from the Lord. After I wept for half a day and everything, this is this is from the Lord. It was so much for the better. I mean, all the experiences that I still are, I'm having is is great. Mm, wow, that takes some Christian maturity to be able to say that. You know, that marriage vow in sickness or in health gets tested. And herein lies the secret of how at least certain people are able to push forward. Their perspective is bigger than their single experience or trial. And when she looks at it as all being from the Lord, that the Lord is permitting it for her highest spiritual welfare, it allows her mindset to change in a positive way, which provides that joy and peace. But however, not only did she lose a spouse, but her husband was the one with the health insurance. Nice. So that's another gut punch when she was facing a potentially lifelong illness. And he ended up having to pay her insurance costs for, I think, about a year. And But so let me ask you a question. In such a circumstance, was it not appropriate to take him to court or mediation for a settlement? Like, is the Christian supposed to just accept whatever they're offered in a situation like a divorce as that that's what the Lord wants them to have? How far do you pursue that? Okay, do we have time for an extra podcast in the middle of this podcast? <laughs> I mean, that's a huge Sorry. that no, no, but it's it's an important question, but it's a huge question and and it really comes down to the circumstances. And you know, I'm glad you asked that question in the context of persecution because we can have that gut reaction of wanting to cut somebody off at the knees. And and if that's our our motivation for going to court is so I can get them, then no, that's not a good thing. But if it's a situation like in, in Lorraine's case where she needed the care, she needed the help, and she literally had nothing, then yes, there's something because you have that, 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 that covenant before God and th and to, to, to be together and, and support one another. So there is an appropriateness. I would recommend that when someone is in a situation like that, you get some good spiritual counsel from someone you trust their spiritual maturity to be able to handle a question like that, because there's no easy answer. 
Okay. I've heard you say this expression. This is really important. Be careful of cloaking our retaliation under the cover of the right thing. Yep. So I think when you're in that experience, you can say it's the right thing, but you know secretly it's for your own revenge. Yeah. If it's about vengeance, it's out of line. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's, yeah. Right. that's yeah. right. Yeah, and, and you should get out of line. You know, if it's about vengeance, I know I'm not waiting in this line anymore. I've got to go someplace <laughs> else. Okay, so look, let's know the why. Remember, we we're talking about knowing the why and feeling the why last week. Knowing the why of principled perseverance under persecution. How do you know what the why is? Well, First Peter chapter three, verses thirteen to sixteen tells us the why. So, Jonathan, let's start with thirteen. Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? But even you should suffer for the sake of righteousness. You are blessed. So there you go. If you prove zealous for what is good, that's part of the why. Proving zealous for what is good under difficult circumstances. Persecution for the right reasons brings blessing. They persecuted Jesus first, and we follow him. Let's go to verse uh, uh, four, the second half of verse 14 in uh, 1 Peter 3. And do not fear their intimidation, and do not be troubled, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. So don't fear the intimidation. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. Set him aside in your heart as the place that you go to to find that inspiration. The secret for blessing from persecution— lies in what our deepest focus is seeing. So if you sanctify Christ in your heart, if it's Christ that we're seeing, then we'll always be ready to answer. Not just answer, but to answer with a spiritual mind. And again, with persecution, the, the, the temptation is to get back at the person, to lash out. That's not what we're talking about, about perseverance. It's Christ-like. And verse 16 really wraps this up. And keep a good conscience, so that in the thing which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. There you go. Just because, now think about this, just because we may be able to represent Christ and even, quote, win when falsely accused, doesn't mean our conscience is spiritually driven. Persecution can spur a desire for retaliation if we're not spiritually focused. But Rick, retaliation is such a natural human response yeah. when being persecuted. To fight that, you know, I need to keep the mind of Christ. One of my challenges is about being an emotional person and quick to react. I need to stop and ask myself, what is God honoring? So I can be a witness to the person doing the attacking and guard my Christian character. And that makes me think of Stephen, the first Christian martyr. You know, being a witness to the person who's persecuting you, that is a great motto for us to take into our experiences. Because you know what? That's what Jesus did. Okay? That's what Jesus did. So, now look, Lorraine did suffer from this, this, this sense of being abandoned in, in her deepest, deepest trial. So, one of the questions Julie asked her was about, okay, well, look, why aren't you mad? I mean, how, you know, how, how, do, you, how do you accept something like this? 
Why aren't you mad? Why aren't you wondering why it wasn't somebody else? Well, I have to honestly say that I, I may have had some of those feelings sometimes. Why? You know, the thing is, the support that I've gotten from my family, who are also Christian, and my dear friends, it's because of their encouragement and um, prayers. But I've had moments where I just don't like it. For myself, I feel like I'm not as bad off as some others that I know. I've known a number of people who, who have this condition and, you know, I compare myself to them. I, I feel like I'm not as bad off. I just keep plowing along and I'm not bedridden. I'm not in a wheelchair. I'm thankful for that. So you walk with a walker or a cane or what do you, well, how do you walk? Using a walker a lot now. I want to try to get back to a cane, but I think the walker is kind of safer. I've had several regimes of physical therapy. So if I if I stay true and honest to doing the exercises, I stay strong. I have to admit that sometimes I get lazy and don't want to do them because I, I get so fatigued sometimes. She needs to talk to Jonathan who does his exercises every single <laughs> yeah, night yeah. for hours at a time. And uh, notice what she does. She compares herself to others, which, you know, generally we're not supposed to do. But here she's doing it in a positive sense. Yeah. So instead of how come that person can walk a mile and I can't, it's I'm thankful I'm not bedridden. I'm better off than most people. And that's not to say that every day is perfect and your attitude is rainbows and flowers 100% of the time. It means that she experiences the sadness, frustration, and even anger but lets it flow through her. She doesn't get stuck in it. Boy, I appreciate that. And, and that is the key, to let it flow through you. We have to be able to, that's, that's what perseverance gives us, the ability to do, is not to let things get stuck, but to let them flow through. So Jonathan, each segment we want to end with a, a point on perseverance applied. What is it? Principled perseverance can more easily thrive when we are rightly exercised by our experiences before we are persecuted. Facing persecution without preparation is a perilous journey. We want to be prepared because nobody knows when persecution or difficulty is going to come. Do the preparation ahead of time. Get your character in order as best as you can. Look, nobody likes the idea of being persecuted, and yet Jesus emphatically told us to prepare for that very thing. Knowing why we need perseverance in persecution is one thing. Doesn't embracing it make it worse? <laughs> you know, that's an important question. There's a major difference between embracing the emotional trauma of an experience and embracing the power and purpose of that experience. When we make the choice for the latter, when we make the choice to embrace the power and purpose of the experience, we make the choice to feed our ability to persevere in Jesus' own footsteps. So you've got to choose what it is you're embracing. And, and Julie, like you said, with, with Lauren's, uh, Lorraine's experience, it's you know what to let flow through you. Embrace the power and purpose of the experience. Now, we said in the first segment, our why is to fight for that which is good and to sanctify Christ in our hearts as, as a place we go to. You got to feel it, though. You can't just have it there intellectually. You have to feel the why of principled perseverance under persecution. And, you know, here's the thing about persecution. Persecution can often and often does come from those who are close, those whose influence is important to us. Luke chapter 21, verses 16 through 19. But you will be betrayed even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death, and you will be hated by all because of my name. Yet, 
not a hair of your head will perish, but your endurance, that's the same word for persevere, you will gain your lives. And it's more difficult to be persecuted by those you're closest to. That made me think of a statement in last week's episode. All falsehood and misrepresentation, no matter how condemning and powerful, cannot stand against eternal truth and righteousness. We must have the same perseverance in our experiences because the truth will come out eventually. So stand for what's right. You know, and eventually can be a long time from now, but that doesn't matter, does it? No. You know, so we need to stand for what's right, even if the, the trial is coming from those closest to us. And that's what Christian perseverance is. Remember, it's not just taking it. It's taking small steps forward and not retaliating as you move forward. When persecuted by those who are close, principled perseverance stands firm as it stands solely for the name of Jesus. Now, look, that can be very challenging, especially in these particular circumstances. So make sure you're standing for the spirituality of the matter, not the emotions of the matter. In part one, we talked about how the definition of persevere is to maintain a purpose in spite of difficulty, obstacles, or discouragement. So we asked Lorraine what her purpose was. My purpose is to be faithful to the Lord and to be faithful in my Christian walk, to develop character and to accept the experience that it was allowed by the Lord, to not give up and to continue looking to him for guidance. And that might sound like a simple thing, but sometimes it's not. I have to admit it. Sometimes you just want to say, I can't do this anymore. Just, it's just tiring. What happens when you say, I just can't do this anymore? How do you get yourself out of it and get yourself back up and moving? Pray. When you pray, it makes all the difference in the world. And why do we forget to do that sometimes? Yeah, the other favorite scripture, Philippians 4.13, is I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. That's my go-to scripture when my legs feel like they're made out of lead and I'm trying to walk from point A to B, get off the couch or whatever. I get, when I get discouraged, singing a hymn to myself or playing whatever on the piano doesn't even have to have words. It just uplifts me. I love that she found a scripture that directly speaks to her condition about, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. What does she need? Well, her muscles need strength. And she gets strength from this verse to deal with her infirmity. And her question, why do we forget to pray, is a great question because that should be our continual lifeline. You know, there's so much value in listening to the real-life experience of somebody who has a struggle that just isn't going away and looking at how they've had to deal with it for years and years and years and where are they and how did they get here. And you, here's how you see perseverance unfold. So let's talk about the how of perseverance. And, and, and Lorraine really, really showed us this is a fight. Our perseverance finds its nourishment in the strength of God. That's exactly what she said. We now focus on the game face of a soldier. Okay, that's Lorraine's game face that we're using here to cope with this perseverance task. And so we're going to use a soldier scripture to put it all in order. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. See, so Lorraine's battle is not just against multiple sclerosis. It's against spiritual wickedness in high places as well that works on paralyzing and, and, and taking the strength from her mind and her heart. That's where our Christian perseverance has to stand strong. Christian perseverance is the ability to withstand and plow through hardship and adversity with cheerfulness. It's the practice of standing up under the weight of circumstance, evil, and opposition. And as soldiers, we are overwhelmingly well-equipped for this challenge with the armor of God. And we just released a new CQ Kids animated video. It's adorable and teaches so much called What is the Armor of God? Go to christianquestions.com slash YouTube and click on the CQ Kids playlist to find What is the Armor of God? Let's go back to Lorraine. And, and, and Julie was asking her, well, okay, what would it be like to be w- without faith? How, you know, put faith into the picture in, in your understanding and coping with this whole thing. I know several people who have it, have had it. They weren't people of faith, and they did not fare so well. I think we're supposed to try to, I mean, not only encourage others within our own church, but we should be a light unto all the world and try to spread that hope that we have. I've had, you know, different people outside of the church make comments to me, you know, how can you be like this and you've got this this thing going on? And I give them the same answer because of God in my life and faith. You know, and when you think about it, a soldier in many, many cases is an inspiring individual because you know that they have the rigors of what they're called to do and they do it. And, you know, you, you hopefully we, we have a sense of, wanting to be grateful for their fight because their fight is a valuable fight for all of us. And that's really what Lorraine is showing us here. As soldiers, we realize that our lives have a specific cause and they will therefore be filled with many challenges because that's the life of a soldier. This is what we signed up for. And we know this in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 13. This is a great perseverance scripture. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes unto you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exaltation. And Rick and Julie, Christ learned obedience through the things which he suffered. Why should we be any different? (laughs) People write into Christian questions mad that since they became a Christian, their lives did not suddenly change into prosperity and healing because they thought Christianity would make everything better and everything easier. We have to explain to them that things are better when we are mature in Christ, not when things in our life are better. And these verses here warn of fiery trials and sufferings of Christ. Jesus spoke of Christianity being a banquet, but never a picnic. (laughs) i like it i like it that was good that was good (laughs) that was good but you know and that's why the scripture says don't be surprised folks don't be surprised christianity by definition requires perseverance just ask jesus just ask him he'll tell you 
And, you know, the rejoicing thing. Rejoicing is not necessarily being happy. Rather, in this case, it equates to trusting the value of trials and burdens before we can see the fruit of those trials and burdens. The exaltation will come later. Now, now think about this. Let me, let me, let, let's, let's put a word picture together. Jonathan, I've got this little, little bag in my hand. You know, if I, if I shake it, it's going to rattle. And and you're going to say, what's in that bag, Rick? What's in that bag, Rick? (laughs) Jonathan, in this little bag in my hand is a beautiful fruit bearing orchard. What? All they are are seeds. Yes. A beautiful fruit bearing orchard. Because once these seeds are planted and cultivated, they will produce a beautiful fruit-bearing orchard. Our trials are the seeds that can produce the beautiful fruit-bearing orchard. We just have to persevere long enough so they can be cultivated well enough so they can produce that beautiful fruit. That's where we need to be in our perseverance. Let's go back to Lorraine's story. And, you know, she started to talk to us about learning empathy, finding blessings, and, 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 and learning about being positive. Very, these are lifelong experiences under duress. Another thing that has come out of this experience is that it makes me more empathetic to others who are going through different things. I like to um, believe my experience is going to help others in God's kingdom. Absolutely. I think it's all about attitude, not necessarily only for Christian people, but for anybody who is dealing with, with an illness or a situation, you have to have a certain kind of attitude about it. Positive attitude. Positivity is a good thing in all kinds of situations. Be positive. Go for it. You know, go for it from the person who can hardly get up off the couch. I mean, that's a powerful, powerful statement. And, and Lorraine, you know, as f- for me personally, and this is, this is kind of like a, a personal from me to you moment here, as we were putting this together, I was thinking and praying, Lord, I, there's, I want a scripture for Lorraine and all the Lorraines out there who are going through these kinds of experiences. And so this, this scripture coming up is for our fellow, fellow soldiers in Christ as they continue to persevere, and specifically for you, Lorraine. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 12. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So, since we heard of your experience, it has been in our hearts and minds to want to uplift and and encourage, because it's a trial, it's a difficulty, and it requires perseverance on a level that many of us don't really even understand because you can't get away from your experience. It's part of your physicality. Verse 10. So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And this is what jumped out at me, Lorraine, is so that you, Lorraine, will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, because he doesn't care how you physically walk. He cares how you spiritually carry yourself through these experiences. And by persevering, you can do that and honor him. And that's what 11 and 12 say of Colossians chapter 1. 
strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints? It doesn't matter what your physical person is. What matters is that new creature that develops in you that is God-honoring. So, Lorraine, with God's blessing, may this scripture help you be that stronger soldier in Christ every day. Let's finish up Lorraine's story, and she talked to us about something very, very, very unique and powerful, and I'll just let her talk about it. There is something physical and mentally that happens with singing. It's like endorphins, and especially when people sing together. When a person sings, they feel better. It's hard to explain, but there's a a physical thing that happens. When people are singing together, they're sharing a certain mood, a certain positivity. It's it's a feel-good thing to do. How do you think there's so many scriptures that talk about singing unto the Lord, make a joyful noise? In Ephesians, is it the uh, fifth chapter? chapter somewhere around verse 20 or 21 it says um sing to one another with psalms and spiritual hymns i really appreciated what lorraine said about the power of singing singing brings our heart to a deep and personal connection to our heavenly father when we blend our hearts and voices together with others that raises the depth of praise to a whole new level did you ever sit on the couch at night in the dark and sing hymns to god Those are prayers. King David understood this well when he sang and wrote many hymns to God. So there is a great power in singing, and the expression, spiritual expression, is a powerful tool in perseverance. So Jonathan, as we wrap up this segment, perseverance applied. Principled perseverance is difficult. It requires us to stand for the highest cause of Christ without bending to how we feel in the process. This can only be accomplished by having a spiritual mindset and being protected and armed with a spiritual armor. We have to put ourselves in a spiritual frame of mind to deal with every physical issue that we have, whether it be persecution or in Lorraine's case, whether it be the, 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 the chasing after her uh, of a disease that will not go away and the, the, the ability to cope with that every day, every day, every day. So for Lorraine and her experience and the experience of soldiering through the, the, the game face of the soldier, let's take those lessons and work at applying them so that we can be stronger in Christ, as Lorraine showed us how she is learning to do. And you know what? This is hard work. True Christianity doesn't have a chance to thrive unless we master the art of persevering. Persevere in trials and persecution? What other life experiences need our focused perseverance? You know, for many of us, our biggest challenge is our own human nature. When circumstances turn our lives upside down, we inevitably need not only to manage the trauma, we need to manage ourselves. For the rest of our time, we're going to examine the third kind of experience that develops Christian perseverance. And we're going to look at loyalty. The deeper we live in this area of loyalty, the deeper our perseverance. And as I have personally studied loyalty to God, it has become a very 
reverent topic for me. So, Jonathan, give us just a sense. What does to be being loyal, what does it mean? Well, unswerving in allegiance, faithful to a private person to whom fidelity is due, faithful to a cause, ideal, custom, institution, or product. So there is a depth of devotion that is described in loyalty. So the testing of our loyalty, these kinds of experiences, whenever our loyalty is tested, and it is tested often, these kinds of experiences require a passionate perseverance. We have to put our passion behind that loyalty because loyalty is not lip service. It's heart in action. That's what it is. Where there's loyalty, there must by definition be perseverance, passionate perseverance. We have another story for you, and it's about Fred. So Jonathan, tell us a little bit about this story and about Fred. Well, now we'd like to introduce you to our next personal story. Many of you may remember when we used to broadcast on the radio, Fred was our man behind the board. Fred's wife, Sue, helped him gain a clear understanding of God's plan, and he dedicated his life to God and was baptized in 2003. Sue already had a son, Aaron, uh, before meeting Fred. Our friend and brother in Christ lost his wife a little shy of 10 years ago in 2011. We asked Fred to share his experience of how he is dealing with her death. Here is what happened in 2011. Okay, so we're going to hear about the experience of her passing. She was uh, 54. She died of a, uh, it's what is known as a hemorrhagic stroke. Most of the time, the, there's a um, stroke where it's from clotting. Mm-hmm. This is the opposite. You just get bleeds. I guess a hemorrhagic is a lot less common. So, so she wasn't ill, but suddenly someday, one day this just happened. Where were you? What, were you with her? Was she alone? What, what happened? She was at her doctor's office when it happened, and he instantly saw there was something wrong and got an ambulance sent her to the hospital. We were And we were talking until she came out of the MRI and she wasn't able to talk anymore, went to a coma for two days, and that was it. So this, this uh, happened unexpectedly. Yes. And then really kind of like within two or three days, she was gone. Yes, she uh, had the stroke on a Tuesday. Wednesday, everybody was gathering around. Thursday morning, we had what is known as a a family meeting. One of the things I'm I'm glad is that she beforehand had a living will and a do not resuscitate order. So I just asked the, the doctors had the condition she required to pull life support been met. And they all said yes. So then I just said okay, let's do what she wants. Life support was pulled off at like nine o'clock in the morning and by, it was actually 4.32 in the afternoon. That's when she passed. Hmm. That's also called an intracerebral hemorrhage or ICH. It's an emergency condition where a blood vessel in the brain ruptures and causes bleeding inside the brain. There's more than 200,000 cases a year in the United States and it typically happens in people age 50 and older and there is no known cure. And again, on a Tuesday, they say goodbye in the morning, and he's never able to really, really speak to her again. I mean, this is a hard kind of experience, and it comes at you from nowhere. So we're talking about test of loyalty, loyalty to God, our faithfulness to God through Christ. You have to know the why of this passionate perseverance that tests our loyalty. 
Well, we're servants of God with our physical being. Now, we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 3 through 10, but we're going to break it up into several pieces. And it's going to lay out much of the why of our loyalty experience, this passionate perseverance we're talking about. And the first part is a very physical uh, loyalty that the Apostle Paul describes about his own life. So, Jonathan, let's do verses 3 through 5. Giving no cause for offense in anything, so that the ministry will not be discredited, but in everything, commending ourselves as servants of God in much endurance, and that's the word for perseverance, in afflictions, in hardships, in distress, in beatings, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleepiness, in hunger. You know, here's the thing. Paul is kind enough to list out all of these physical difficulties, the afflictions and hardships, distresses and beatings, imprisonments, tumults, labors, sleeplessness, hunger. He's just saying, by the way, this has been my experience. Why does he do this? He's showing us how to persevere. He's showing us that these are the things that God has put before me. He's not saying, man, look at how bad off I am. He's basically saying, look at how blessed I am. Loyalty requires deep, passionate perseverance in the hard physical experiences of life. Why? Because God must be glorified in every experience of my life. That's the way the Apostle Paul looked at it. That's the way we need to see it. That's what loyalty is all about. And the question is, do we keep getting up? Yeah, right. Right, because Paul got knocked down again and again and again and again, and he kept getting up. And we're going to see in Fred's story, he got knocked down again and again and again and kept getting up. So we know the why. Now let's feel the why of passional perseverance. Intellectually, you see it. Now you've got to feel it in your heart. We're servants of God with our spiritual minds. This is really what it comes down to. So Paul went from all of the physical things, and now he changes gears in verses 6 and 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. In purity, in knowledge, in patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in genuine love, in the word of truth, in the power of God, by the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left. That phrase, the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left, intrigued me, and I found biblical commentary by Adam Clark, and he said this, the idea of on the right hand and on the left is of holding both offensive and defensive weapons. It probably has in mind both advancing and being attacked, particularly the shield and the sword, the former on the left arm, the latter on the right hand. We have the doctrine of truth and the power of God as an armor to protect us on all sides, everywhere, and on all occasions. So we have to feel that engagement in that battle and be loyal to that which we're called to do. See, loyalty requires deep, passionate perseverance in the spiritually driven areas of our lives. We have to tenaciously grow to spiritual maturity so we can pass it on to others as we go, because that's the whole point of this. It's not just for me. It's so that I can grow in and by God's grace be able to share that experience. Lorraine had talked about that. Let's see how Fred's experience develops. Now, the sudden loss, the obvious question you ask in a sudden loss is, okay, well, how do you cope with something like that? So you wake up with this woman, this love of your life on Tuesday morning, you go your separate ways, you say goodbye, and things are never the same. How do you go through that? My faith has helped me immensely, knowing that this isn't the end. 
there is something better in store for for her for me and for the whole world of mankind that knowing that and then there are times where that that's all you have the depression you go through and the sense of loss it's almost like half yourself just got cut away all you have is, is that belief that this is not the end as horrible as it is there's something better coming man that is some kind of observation under duress because how do you manage that it really does come down to finding your loyalty and, and, and staying with it. Passion supports us through our personal and private experiences, as well as our persecution experiences, as well as our physical and spiritual experiences. We have to have that loyalty to God in everything. And I think that's what's coming out here. Perseverance is a big deal when it comes to the Christian. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Now let's get to verses 8 through 10. By glory and dishonor, by evil report and good report, regarded as deceivers and yet true, as unknown yet well-known, as dying yet behold we live, as punished yet not put to death, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing all things. These pairs of opposites are interesting. Hmm. The world would look at the Apostle Paul with one part of the pair, like having nothing. But from God's perspective, Paul had all things. Yep. The world would say dishonor, evil report, sorrowful. But God would see it as honor, good report, always rejoicing, and so on. So we want to look at our circumstances from God's eternal perspective rather than our own short-term immediate one. Change the eyes with which you see the trial. That's how we persevere. Loyalty is only possible through this passionate perseverance. And passionate, I mean passionate when we say it. It reveals the many deliverances. There are many deliverances of every true disciple. We have to walk through those deliverances and be thankful to our Father for those deliverances. Back to Fred and his story. You know, nine plus, nine and a half years later, grief. Was he ever angry with God? These are the questions we wanted to know. Do you go through that nine years later, that kind of moment again and again? Sometimes, but not as often as I used to. Famous man once said, we once said, there'll come a time when a smile will come to your face before the tear comes to your eye. And that's true. With Erin, we'll talk about her and we'll laugh and smile about something that she would do or something she would say. It's comforting. You don't get over it. You come to terms with it. You realize the reality. The five stages of grief are real. I was in denial. I mean, I bargained. I, I was angry. Um, were you were you angry with God? Yeah, yeah, angry with God, angry with her. It's a normal part of the process. Because mm -hmm. then you get her, to the why? oh, she's gone, and I wanted her. I want her with me. Yeah, and then you get to the the final stage, and that's acceptance. She's gone. The acceptance is where you get to the point where okay, I, you could cherish the memories. She wanted to spend the rest of her life with me, and I with her. But it was time. The Lord said, "Now it's time." C.S. Lewis once said, what saves a man is to take a step, then another step. You know, and that's what Fred is describing. You go through it, the five stages of grief are real, they have to be traveled through, and it's, it, there's no timetable, but you have to keep taking steps. 
And that is, you know, we can take our steps as Christians because we are loyal to our Father. That's what it is. And, you know, we see in Fred the game face of the farmer. And sometimes the farmer is the one that you say, well, you know, who, you know the, it's much more exciting to be the athlete or the soldier. No, 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 no. The farmer is the one who has the face of patience, of knowledge, of hard work, and of consistency. It's the face of steady discipline and compassion. And another aspect, Rick, of a farmer is that they cultivate. Naturally, they cultivate by using the sun, water, and minerals from the ground to create a healthy crop. We as Christians need to spiritually cultivate our hearts and our minds so we may actually grow and mature in Christ by bearing the fruits of the Spirit. And it really is about bearing the fruits, and it takes time, and it takes patience to do that. 2 Timothy 2.6, we're just reminded of that scripture. We, we talked about it earlier, but Jonathan, let's go back to it for a moment. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. The hardworking farmer. So with that in mind, the game face of the farmer, that hardworking, long-term individual, the question next for Fred was, how long does it take to get to this level of acceptance? When were you able to smile with her memory instead of crying? For me, it took uh, about five years. And I know it's not a, a set schedule for everybody. It's, it's different sure. for different sure. people. It took about five years to, before I could have that acceptance and start the moving on process. There were times I'd be in a, uh, a store or out in public and see somebody walking away without seeing the person's face. And I'm like, have to double take because mm-hmm. oh, they look mm-hmm. just like her. Then it would take a few. And then I say, oh, wait, no, no, that's not her. So he talked about the process and how, look, folks, how, how well does that fit the idea of the game face of the farmer just working through the process? It's a difficult process. Sometimes it's tedious. Sometimes it's painful, but you keep working through. Perseverance apply, Jonathan, as we wrap this portion up. The passionate perseverance of loyalty to God and Christ first runs through every aspect and experience in our Christian lives. This loyalty can only be ultimately proven over a lifetime. Over a lifetime. Our lifetime has all kinds of seasons, and the farmer is the one who knows how to make use of those seasons and persevere through each and every one of them. When you think about it, we're truly blessed to have our highest loyalty to our our Almighty God and His Son. So passionate perseverance proves loyalty. How do we find the focus to make that happen? All of what we've talked about over this two-part series leads to this answer, this coming answer. The bottom line of everything regarding perseverance is this. It's God's wisdom and plan that our loyalty is bound to. We must apply ourselves to any and every tool necessary that will help us persevere, that will help us move forward through every experience. It comes down to looking up. That's really the bottom line here. So as we picked a scripture to share with Lorraine and her experience, we also picked a scripture to share with Fred in his experience. So Fred, for you and for all of the Freds out there, we're going to go over our next text and this is a text that talks about the game face of a farmer. But Jonathan, before you read it, this is Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. The game face of a farmer 
is the game face of one who cultivates, beginning with small seeds. And you know, when you think about it, when God asked Moses, what is that in thine hand? What is that in our hand? Sometimes it's a packet of small seeds. And these are the seeds of our experiences that can be developed over time and through perseverance to make us faithful and glorify God, no matter how hard the experience of those seeds might be. So Fred, for you and for all of those who go through that same kind of experience, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5-8. through 8. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith supply moral excellence, in your moral excellence knowledge, and in your knowledge self-control, and in your self-control perseverance, and in your perseverance godliness, and in your godliness brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, They render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a planting, there's a cultivating, and there's a process in this text, and it has to do with perseverance on a spiritual level. This is all about planting and cultivating approach that will go on through our lifetime. We asked Fred about the frustration and the loneliness, and again, for those of us who've never gone through this, this is very hard to get your head around. Did it ever get to the point where when you saw others who still had their spouse, did you ever feel resentful toward that? Like, you know, how come they get to be together and, and we're not? Was that ever a challenge for you? Or is it a challenge for you? Yeah, it's like, I don't know if I was resentful or I wish she was here now because you get the loneliness. Loneliness is an underappreciated emotion. It's a lot more destructive than people give it credit for because it's not it's not like being stabbed with a sharp knife it's almost like being cut with a dull rusty blade it's just grinding again and again and again it's and it never feels like it's never going to let up wow what a description right now think of the person who's most precious to you then imagine them suddenly no longer here and you unable to do anything about it. So really put yourself in Fred's shoes for a moment and feel what he went through. This is happening to millions of people around the world, including so many premature deaths from COVID-19. People are struggling just like Fred was. What do we say to them? Uh, I was thinking about loneliness. Um, If you're lonely, make it so loneliness isn't the centerpiece of your life, but an experience you're having. That is hard to do, but we need to be inspired. Look around to find people who can inspire you. You know, and it's such an important thing. Make the experience, an experience of your life, not the centerpiece of your life. That's Christian perseverance. So the how of passionate perseverance. How do you do that? How do you get yourself to that point? Well, first point is to look around you. We've got examples of, of ancients who were very worthy of, 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 of praise and honor to look at their lives to show us what overcoming looks like. If you look at Hebrews chapter 11, it lists out the lives of many, many, many uh, from, from ancient Israel. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 kind of wraps that up, but the first message is, look around you. 
Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Okay. Observe the great cloud of witnesses. They've shown us the way. Looking around us, you know, we start by looking around us because it's easy to identify with others, whether they be other imperfect human beings in the Bible or those around us who can inspire us to stand up and and be stronger. Look around us. That's the first. That's the first place to go. Let's get back to Fred and and his story. And, you know, deal with that loneliness. And Jonathan, you really nailed it down. Let's hear Fred describe getting help through the loneliness. I've learned through counseling. I mean, one of the things is, if you need help, get help. I think too many people, the quote, I think some, I can't remember the English writer who said, we live lives of quiet desperation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I did that for a while. One of the scriptures that kind of triggered me to reach out was, it is not good for man to be alone. And I realized I was building a wall between the outside world and me and treating in. That's when I knew had to get help, not just professional help, but reach out to my brethren. You have that wonderful resource of brethren. Some have experienced that loneliness, others haven't, but people are there and people, especially in a Christian fellowship, they're willing to help and want to help anybody. Reach out, reach out to your friends, your family, your faith. But says scripture, you bear one another's burdens. Mm -hmm. It's important to note that sometimes, no matter how hard we try, our brains get emotionally damaged with the trauma and shock of loss, and we need to seek professional help. And there's nothing unscriptural or shameful about this. No, absolutely not. As a matter of fact, it is a, an appropriate thing to do. It is an appropriate thing, a God-honoring thing to do. I mean, think, think about it, okay? Because sometimes we, we, we misrepresent perseverance. Perseverance is not trying to run a marathon that you trained really hard for when you broke your leg in three places. It's not perseverance to try to run that race with a leg that's broken in three places. Come on. It is perseverance to power through the necessary rehab for however long it takes to reestablish your health, even if there's no marathon in your future. The point being, we may think we're supposed to just power through anything that's right in front of us, but if there's something broken, God doesn't want us to break it further. He wants us to be able to honor him by taking care of that which he gave us. So if our mind has a disconnect or a trauma that, 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 has, that has upended us, we have to take care because that is a God-honoring way to persevere. And then, my friends, then you share your experience with others and see how many people you can help along the way. So uh, we've gone through that grinding loneliness. So we looked around us. Okay, that was the first step in the how. Next, we look to Jesus. Not look, we can still identify with Jesus, but now we look to him with a sense of awe because he's the writer and perfecter of our faith. So Jonathan, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Okay, there are several points here that just, that just come pouring out of this scripture. Julie, get us started with those. 
Uh, well, he embraced the joy of God before him because this is how he persevered. He was looking at that bigger, eternal moment before him and not his immediate circumstances. And this joy carried him through the horror of the cross. And make no mistake, it was a horror. And make no mistake, the night before was a horror as well. But it's the joy that carried him through. Next point. Yeah, and it wasn't the joy of the crucifixion because that wasn't the joyful part. Right. Uh, but the next part is this joy made light of the utter human shame put upon him. He hated the shame, but he got through it. And Bible commentary from David Guzik said, this is a stumbling block to many. They'll do just about anything for Jesus except endure shame or embarrassment. This was a big part of his trial. Yeah, absolutely. And this joy delivered him to the right hand of the throne of God being back with his heavenly father and exalted higher than he was before. How much more of a blessing could he have ever received? He went through the hardest of trials and was blessed with the highest of privilege. That is because he persevered to do the will of God only. Not just to do it, but to love doing it. That is our Christian perseverance. Let's go back to Fred. We're going to begin to uh, wind down on his story. And, you know, he talks about learning some of these things, some of the uh, important experiences about being a good person through this very difficult trial. It actually brings tears of joy to my heart to know that there are people that you just call and said, I need help. And that's all you have to say. It's what can I do? Mm Mm-hmm. Now I'm at at the point in my life where I'm hopefully trying the best I can to be that person that people will call. That's why I I wanted to do this is the fact of I know this experience. Mm -hmm. A couple of years back, I in a testimony, I said, I need you. Just saying that helps so much because it's freeing to know that you don't have to keep it bottled up anymore. My advice to anybody who is uh, going through an experience like this is don't go through it alone. You know, don't go through it alone. How many times has he said, reach out, reach out, reach out, reach out? You know, one of the things about Fred is, is he is a natural introvert and it's really hard for him to reach out, but he learned. And because he learned, he was blessed. So the next question, go ahead, Jonathan. Well, we have set up an online resource about grief at christianquestions.com slash grief. Here, we refer you to various podcasts and reading materials to help. So it's important to realize that there is help. And again, you have to reach out. The next question we asked Fred was, you know, what, what was helpful to you in the earlier stages of grief? I understand the fact that people would feel uh, awkward. You don't need to have words of wisdom. Just be there. Just be there. Just call. How you doing? I know there's a brother we all know. Uh, I'll just use his first name, Mark. Who they say, like, let's let's go for a walk, and that we do that now. We'll we'll just go different places. Going out, getting fresh air. That's very helpful. It's almost like with Job. He asks God the questions. Why? God saying, look around. Get some perspective. All this wasn't done by accident. Job is very inspirational because he he knew the loss. And he asked the question, I think all somebody, all of us who go through similar experiences asks, why did this happen? It happened because the Lord said it was time for her to come home and it's time for you to have different experiences. That is very comforting to know that there is a great design. We are part of it. You know, there's incredible wisdom 
in his observation there. He recognizes and embraces the fact that it was God's timing, and he learned to be good with that. So when we talk about the how of passionate perseverance, it was look around you, it was look to Jesus, and now it's look to God. Now, you don't, you don't identify with God. You reverence God. Look to him with reverence. So the first point here about looking to God is to look up to him who is truly mighty and acknowledge his power and his wisdom. That's exactly what Fred just described. We're going to look at Isaiah chapter 40, verses 26 to 31 in, in pieces. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars, the one who leads them forth, their hosts by number. He calls them all by name because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one of them is missing. So you want to get perspective on God, look up at the universe around you and say, wow, that's pretty big. It's pretty massive. It's pretty miraculous. Oh, God made it. And get a sense of his great power. Second, once you begin to get that sense, Isaiah tells us, his understanding, God's understanding, God's way, God's perseverance, they're all eternal. Take notice of all things. This is Isaiah 40, verses 27 and 28. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. So there's a little sarcasm. You know, Israel, why are you saying God is hidden from me? <clears throat> Excuse me. Don't you know that he's eternal? Haven't you heard that his, his power is never ending? He doesn't become weary? So the third point now to build on that is believe that he's an endless power source compared to those in the prime of life, to those who are mighty in the eyes of Ben. God opens us up to spiritual perseverance. He is, his strength is bigger and stronger than anything we can imagine. Verse 29 and 30. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly. So the best pictures of health eventually wear out. The fourth point here, here's the key, here's the big point here, is to trade in your old source of strength and put on God's strength, God's perseverance. For it's only then that we can mount up with wings and not become weary Jonathan, Isaiah 40, verse 31. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. When eagles soar, it looks effortless. The eagle makes slight physical adjustments to allow the wind to keep him up. Even though it looks effortless, it's not. It is understanding the power and force of the wind and using it to soar above the troubles. Just as with us, we need to learn from our experiences, persevere and soar above our troubles with the help of the Lord. And no, we can't do it alone. We're using the Holy Spirit, which is God's power and influence in order to persevere. That's why we change the source of our strength. That's the point. Perseverance for a Christian is changing the source of your strength. Let's go to Fred one last time to wrap up his story. And what you seem to be telling us again and again, accept God's providence and have faith that it's going to work out. Yes. 
he's in total control that he loves me. He loves me so much that he's got me by the hand. He's not letting go. That's ultimately what brings you through is knowing that this is not the end. He, he has a, an incredible amount of wisdom and love and power and, and mercy. He's not petty or spiteful. He didn't cause this to happen to be spiteful. He did it because in his own infinite wisdom, I mean, it was time for her to go. Now, I and there's something I won't understand, like, why was it time? Yeah. I don't know. Now, I won't know till on the, uh, the other side. Okay, so we, Fred, thank you. Thank you for your story, uh, Lorraine. Thank you for yours. Thank you for giving us this sense of persevering with the game face of a soldier and a farmer and going through the hardships of life, no matter what they may be, how they may come to us, putting it all in perspective. Jonathan, a final point on perseverance applied. The passionate perseverance of loyalty to God and the cause of Christ surrounds us if we are walking on the right path. Drink in the examples, redouble your efforts, and stand firmly for the most important thing. So, folks, look, it really comes down to we have to put ourselves in a position to say, I will be loyal to God no matter what happens in my life. You know, Romans 8, 37 to 39 wraps it up pretty well. It says, but in all these things, we are overwhelmingly conquering through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the passionate perseverance of loyalty to our Father. And folks, that is what we must seek every day, no matter what our experiences might be. Persevere in a godly way. Think about it. Folks, listen, we really do want to hear from you. Give us your feedback or send us your questions on this episode and other episodes at ChristianQuestions.com. Also, a big part of spreading the word about our program is subscribing to Christian Questions in iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, whatever your favorite podcast channel is. Please rate us and review it. Review us. We'd greatly appreciate it. Coming up next week, very different subject. Next week, what does honoring your father and mother look like? We'll talk to you next week. Find out.